You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Well, how are you feeling this morning? I'm telling you, I'm feeling kind of tired. Because I lost an hour of sleep last night. Did you? Well, we didn't actually lose it, did we? I mean, we kind of just got it rearranged. Because tonight about 7.30 when it's still daylight, we're going, whoo, that's nice, right? And the temperature's going to get warmer. Time. We reset our clocks last night. Time. Can you get any more time than you've already got? Can the richest man in the world buy another second of time? If you're, if you're a dictator or a tyrant, can you mandate yourself one more second of time? I mean, a rich man, maybe the richest man in the world, he can buy a yacht or buy an island, but he can't buy one more second of time. Think of that. That's something we don't get any more of. Time. We just get 24 hours in a day, right? It's been said God has bounded our lives with eternity. And he has prescribed before we were ever born the exact amount of time we'll live. We'll not live one second less or one second more than what he has marked for our lives. You know who said that? I did. <laughs> I did. Because I say it all the time. God is sovereign. We will not live one second more or one second less than what he has prescribed. God is in control of time. You understand God is outside of time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He sees time as one snapshot. He's outside of it. And He sees our lives on that timeline. He is in control. He is sovereign. Church, God has never looked down on this earth and saw something happen and go, it's never happened. Nothing takes him by surprise because he is enthroned over the universe. Today we're going to talk about time and making the best use of the time. The title of the message today is The Value of Time. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We return to our study in the book of Colossians and we find the Apostle Paul has been asking the church to pray for him. We saw this last week as Pastor Dell shared. Remember, he's under house arrest. He's staying in a house in Rome and he's renting. He's a Roman citizen, so the, they've allowed him while he's under arrest awaiting trial to live in a house. And he's paying for it out of his own funds, but he's tethered to a Roman soldier by a six-foot chain. He's been asking the people at Colossae via this letter to pray for him, to pray for his release so that he can get out and spread the gospel. And it's after he makes this plea that he makes another plea about how to spend our time. So you've made your way there. Colossians 4, pick up in verse 2. The Bible says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in prayer, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open up a door. He's wanting to get released for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And then our verse for today, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the, what's the word? Making the best, best use 
of the time. Now, notice the last word of verse 5 is time. What's the word right before the word time there? The. The definite article, the, or the. And in the Greek, it is a definite article. It is a definite prescribed amount of time. There are no accidents with God. Job said in Job 14, verse 5, see the screens, since his days, and he's speaking of humanity, are determined, and the number of his months is with you, that's God, and you have appointed his limits, and we will not pass those limits. I don't care who you are, you cannot pass the limits God has placed for your life. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, your eyes saw my unformed substance. So this is the whole concept of about God sees us. We're not a fetus. We're a baby in the mother's womb. And in your book were written what? Every one of them what? The days. God knows the days that were formed for me when yet there was none of them. You see, church family, all of our days have been numbered. We've all been given a prescribed amount of time. So the question is, how are we going to use that time? And so here's really the ultimate question. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then who is your boss? Jesus. So we talked about this two weeks ago. So he's the master and we're the bondservant. So it's not actually my life. He bought me at a price. So it's not Kevin's life. It, it's the life of Christ lived through me. So it's not really my time. It's whose time? It's His. It's His time. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about His kingdom. The Apostle Paul saw his life exactly that way. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, see the screens? But I do not, Paul said, I do not account my life of any value, nor is even precious to me, if only I may finish my course. He saw his life as like a race, and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus, we all have a ministry of life, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Your life, my life, has been given to us as a gift. It's a gift. That very next breath you take is a gift God has given to you. Paul saw his life as a course, a race to be run. He saw his life as a ministry he had received from the Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul was in prison twice in Rome. This was his first imprisonment from which we get the book of Colossians, right? The letter to the Colossae church, okay? He was ultimately released after two years. He was released, but he would be imprisoned again. Did you know that? He would be. He would be imprisoned the second time, and that second time he would be placed not in a rented house. He would be placed, scholars tell us, in the Mamertine prison. That was the prison of the, of the emperor. It was a very horrible place. It was literally under the ground. And do you know how Paul died? Do you know how, the, you, you know how Rome killed him? He cut his head off. They beheaded him. And right before he died, it's, it's as if the Holy Spirit had given the Apostle Paul an understanding of his encroaching death. And Paul wrote to Timothy, his young protege. And the Bible records in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I read this scripture often at funerals, watch this. 2 Timothy 4, Paul said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure, he knew he was going to die, has come. And I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. 
Paul is in heaven today, of course. I can only imagine what an, an inexpressible joy it was for him to wake up in heaven right after he was executed in Rome. Paul lived the exact prescribed amount of time that he was supposed to live. Now go back to Colossians chapter 4 verse 5. Watch, watch this first phrase. Watch this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Outside. Who are they? Who are the outsiders? Yeah, unbelievers, right? Outsiders are those who are not part of the kingdom of Christ. So they've not been saved. They've not been born again. They've never surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus. So they're called here outsiders. They're on the outside of the kingdom. Now remember Paul has been praying to be released. He wants to actually be able to come back to Colossae, and he wants to be able to do more work. So he's been, he's been praying for open doors, and it motivated his life in that, that he wanted to live for the kingdom. Paul wasn't living for comfort. Paul wasn't living for retirement. Paul wasn't working for the weekend like the old song says. Everybody's working for the weekend. Paul was working for Jesus, and so should we. So should we. Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, said, if you're not willing to live for something greater than yourself, that would be Jesus, then you're living for nothing. It's true. It's true. What are you living for? What motivates you? Is, is it money? Is it, is it a degree? Is it to get married and have kids? Is it, is it, is it a house? What, is, it, is it a car? Is it a certain job? Is it a certain amount in your retirement portfolio? Is, what is it? What motivates you? Is it food? What, what motivates you? What drives you? Now let me ask you, as you think about that, where does that fit in the kingdom of Jesus? One day you and I will stand before the Lord and we'll give an answer for how we've used our lives. Our lives are a gift. Time is like money. It can be spent wisely or foolishly. How are you using your time? The Apostle Paul wanted to use his time wisely. It says, walk in wisdom. What does that mean? I was reading a commentary by William Hendrickson, and, and, and he says wisdom is a synonym for simply walking with God. So think of it this way. If you're walking with God, then you're walking in wisdom. And so if you're walking in wisdom, you're walking with God. See, if you're, if you're following the Lord, then you're going to make wise decisions. And if you're making dumb decisions, you're not following God. It's that simple. Hendrickson went on to say this. See this quote on the screen, I like this, and this whole idea of walking wisely before unbelievers. He says, quote, in the long run, the reputation of the gospel depends on the conduct of its devotees. That would be us. Behave wisely toward outsiders, always bearing in mind that though a few men do actually read the Bible, the sacred scroll, scrolls, all men read you. Watch how you spend your time. And watch how you live. So how are you living? How are you living today? Are you walking in wisdom? Turning your Bibles back to Ephesians chapter 5. You're in Colossians. Just go back to the left. Go to Ephesians 5. The companion passage 
in Ephesians 5 uh, is, again, scholars tell us the companion passages to Colossians 4. Now remember, Paul also wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus while he's under house arrest. While he was under house arrest there in Rome, he wrote to the church at Philippi, he wrote to the church at Colossae, he wrote to the church at Ephesus, and we, we talked last Wednesday night that he wrote a letter to a man. Remember the letter? Who was here Wednesday night? Who was the man? Philemon, right? So here's the letter that he has written to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying something very similar, but there's a, just a bit more detail here about this whole idea of time. Have you found it? Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look carefully. It's like walking in the woods, my daddy used to tell me. Watch where you step, son. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. There it is again, making the best use of the time, because the days are what? Evil. Let me ask you something. Are the days evil today? Is it a messed up world? Oh, man. Man. I mean, everybody right now says coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. Just wash your hands, people. Wash your hands. It's the most important thing you can do. I mean, you can get a NASA suit and live in a bubble, okay? I get that. But just wash your hands and then use lotion. Because if you wash your hands as much as we're supposed to, you then need to use lotion. Because if you don't, your hands are going to crack open. And cracked hands are just as bad as unwashed hands. You got me? Wash your hands and use lotion. The world is an evil place. Do you think the world was more evil in the days of Paul or today? Be careful how you answer. You're going to be inclined to say today. I disagree. In the Roman Empire, it was nuts. Because Nero was running things. This was a guy who married himself off to a boy. Okay? Okay? You with me? He's crazy. It was so messed up in the Roman Empire. So messed up that Nero, because he was so, you talk about bad politics. This guy was crazy, crazy. And he kept making all these blunders. And so he needed a scapegoat. And guess who he used as his scapegoat? Christians. And you know what he was doing? Just for sport to get people's minds off of all his stupidity, he was having Christians thrown to lines in the Roman Colosseum, impaled on poles and burned along the Appian Way. You think it was hard living today? Try being a Christian in the first century. And yet, the Bible says, make the best use of the time. Listen, it doesn't matter what era, what period of time that we're living in, who may read this scripture a hundred years from now. Make the best use of the time. Whatever your condition is, whatever your situation is, however bad it is, make the best use of the time. That's the admonition here. Let me stop for a moment and say this about outsiders, people who aren't Christians. Not all people are this way, but there's a lot of people who aren't believers today, and they look at us, and do you know how they describe us? One word, fools. They look at us as fools. That we would follow a guy who died 2,000 years ago. And they say follow his teachings in a book that's so old. We're fools. In fact, the world, the outsiders look at us and say, we're to be pitied. And that we just need to jettison our way of thinking and rise up to their way of thinking. Right? Actually, they've got it wrong. 
Romans 1 teaches us this. Romans 1, don't turn there just for sake of time, look at the screens. Look at Romans 1, 21 on the screens. There are actually people who say they know God, but they don't know anything about Him. Because the Bible says this, for although they knew God, that, that means that they, that they professed to know God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, oh, they're the fools. They're the fools. You see, it's the world and the world system of Satan that must come to terms with Jesus' way of thinking. And if they don't come to terms to Jesus' way of thinking, they're the ones who are going to be doomed. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. They will call on that beautiful name. And if they've not received Him by faith at the judgment, they will then be cast into hell. And you say, I can't believe God would do that. God doesn't do that. God doesn't send a single person to hell. They choose it. They choose it by rejecting Jesus. They choose it. By, don't, oh, I can't believe God's such a... No, no, no. What more could God do than send His only Son to die so that you wouldn't have to die and you could go to heaven? Don't you blame God. No, the wise ones are those who follow Jesus. Are you following Jesus? The Bible calls you wise. See the screens? 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Bible says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness or folly to the lost. That's those who are perishing. They're dying in their sins. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the, it is the cross that's the power of God. For it is written, God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. God said, I will thwart that too. Listen, the greatest fool in the world is the one who says there is no God. And I'm not just talking about the atheist. I'm talking about any person who doesn't think God has a right or claim on their life. They're a fool. They're a fool. You see, that person who doesn't think they have to submit to God or accept what Jesus did for them on the cross, they're the ones who in the end will be the fool. Church family, we must never forget to truly follow Jesus, to walk wise. We have to intentionally walk where He walks. Now, I showed you this picture, and I've lied to you for the whole winter. I, I thought we would have some of that stuff. What is that stuff? Snow. And me and all my other buddies that I kind of follow that are the weather prognosticators, it's a colossal bust. Because we sure didn't get much this year, if any at all. But that's still a good analogy. Because let's imagine Jesus has just walked in those footsteps. If you're going to be a follower of Christ then, where would you place your footsteps? In His foot, right. So you have to look down. You can't just haphazardly just go where you... No, you carefully put your steps in His steps. That's what it means to follow Christ. But how do we know, practically speaking, where to put our steps? I mean, how do you know what to do? How do I know? Is there some place that tells us what to do? Are there principles? Are there guidelines somewhere, anywhere? Any, somebody tell me. Oh, the Bible. Yes, it's the Word of God, and it's described as a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. This is a dark world, but when we shine the light of God's Word, when we read the Word of God, we actually see and get wisdom. We gain wisdom as to know how to walk, what to do, and how to live. The question is, I keep asking this of us, do we ever read this thing? 
where are you reading in the Bible right now? This is where nobody looks at me. Everybody goes. Mm. This is not shame and condemnation. I just want you to think for a second. Where are you reading in the Bible? Listen, if you don't have a disciplined plan, you are most likely not going to read the Bible. And you are going to flounder around and you're going to place your feet in wrong steps and make bad decisions. This is a gift. This is a gift from God. It is the GPS and the roadmap, okay? For so many of you, it's like recomputing, recomputing, recomputing. You're going the wrong way. Where are you going? It's, you ever seen the GPS and the thing's got a car going? There's no road there. Recomputing, recomputing. So many Christians are just like that car on the GPS that the road's not there. You've deviated from the path because this, the path, the Word of God gives you, gives you guidelines as to how to walk, how to know how to live. You say, oh, you're being all legalistic. Do I have to read the Bible every day? Well, let me ask you something. Do you eat every day? Do you eat every day? Most of us do. Because if you pass too many days that you don't eat, you will die. Let me, let me tell you, this is, this is food. This is the bread of life. So many Christians are so anemic, and they make such bad decisions, they don't know which way to go. They're floundering around because they never read the Word of God. Get in a Bible reading plan. Right now, I'm in the Psalms. That's where I'm reading. I'm reading consistently there every day. I try to read a couple of chapters a day, okay? If you miss a day, you miss a day. But just try not to miss too many days because you need the Word of God. We need the, we need the, the understanding of, of how to make good and wise decisions. And we, this is God's love letter to us. Read it, and you'll make wise decisions. You'll be able to know where to go and what to do. So many Christians, they don't read the Bible. They don't take the time. But church, can we talk about our time for just a second? How much time do you spend on that phone? Huh? Huh? Oh man, I hadn't checked Instagram today. I, let me check Instagram. I've been on Facebook. I haven't been on Instagram all day. I haven't been on Twitter all day. I gotta be on Twitter to see who's tweeting something. Right? I got, I got, oh, and, and my favorite program's coming on. I gotta watch that favorite program. I gotta, oh, I really love this program. Let's just, let's just binge on it. Let's just, let's just Netflix binge. Let's just, let's just watch like nine episodes of it. <laughs> it's been said that Americans are entertaining themselves to death. We, we, I, we, just, we just can't get enough fun. It's called existentialism. And we just, what, what's the next fun thing? What can I do that's fun? What's kind of, have fun, yes. I believe we're to have fun. I believe Jesus was a person who had fun, but he was also disciplined. And he got up while it was still dark. And he, and he spent time with his father in prayer. And if Jesus did that, and he's the son of God, don't you think we need to do that? We're not Jesus. Oh, we short circuit. God wants to show, he's given us a GPS if we'll just read it. Listen, wake up in the morning and start reading someplace consistently and put you a little tab in it. Here's, my, here's where I'm at in Psalms. And I've got a pink tab there, and it says 108. That's where I'll be in the morning. Okay? And I'll read. I'll read a chapter. If, I, if I've got time, I'll read two chapters. But I'll try to read a chapter. And then I'll sit before the Lord and I'll pray with my eyes open because I'm tired. Aren't you? Aren't we all tired? Let's be honest. We'll rest when we get to heaven. But until then, I will be up in the morning and I'll be reading 
and I'll, and I'll walk when I read, or I stand at my bar in my kitchen when I read, because if I sit down, I will fall asleep. I've got my cup of coffee and my granola bar, and, I'm, and it's just the discipline. And God speaks to me. I keep a little journal. I don't write in it every day, but when the Lord says something to me, He doesn't say something to me every day, but in my mind, I'll write it down, and I can go back and look, and I've got stacks of these things that I can see where God has worked in my life when I get afraid. Do you ever get afraid? You ever get fearful about what tomorrow holds? I'm telling you, God's not afraid. He's not afraid of tomorrow. He never sits in heaven and goes, oh, I cannot believe that just happened down there. My goodness. No, he's in total control. He is seated on his throne. He's not standing up pacing. He's seated. He's at total peace and rest. And so can we. Are you anxious today? The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, verse 6. But in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and praise God, your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Memorize that scripture, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And when you feel afraid, don't act on the fear. When Satan brings that doubt, what about that? What if she does that? What if I don't have money for that? What if the doctor's report comes back bad? All of that. You can focus on that or you can say the most beautiful name that we were singing up here. Jesus, I know you're in control. You're not worried about this. Help me not to worry. Help me to trust you. And he will. Even in the midst of the uncertainty, there's a peace that passes all understanding. Are we willing to trust Him? Look back at Colossians 4, verse 5. I want you to see a word. I want you to see the word best. I want you to see this word. Colossians 4, 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the what use of the time? Best. You know what that word means? Redeem. Buy up. It's like a coupon. You ever done this? You ever done this? You, 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 saw, you got some coupon, you know, that you cut out of the newspaper, and, and, it, and it's got some great deal, and, and there's always what? A limit, right? How many you can buy, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you, you go to the store, and, 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 and you go in, and you tell your 15-year-old daughter, okay, in about 10 minutes, here's one for you. You come in. You come after me. Here's 20 bucks, okay? Okay, wait 10 minutes before you come in. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, this is such a great deal. How are you? And then your daughter walks in. Got it, okay? Okay. Don't look at me like you ain't never done that. You have. <laughs> you call your mama up. Did you get the paper? You got that coupon? Man, are you in town right now? Oh, great. I'm in the parking lot. You go into it, and I'll give you the money. <laughs> Why? Because it's such a good deal. And you want to buy up as much as you can. And that is the meaning of this. God has given us a good deal. He's given us this day. And I'm make the best use of it. It's a gift. It's a gift. Time is like money. It's spent wisely or unwisely. At the beginning of the message, I told you that we all just have 24 hours in a day. You know, Donald Trump has the same amount of time as the guy flipping burgers at McDonald's. True? We all get 24 hours in a day. The guy on death row, yep, 24 hours in a day. It's all he gets. But we're always pressed for time, aren't we? How many times have we said, oh, if I, if I only had a few more hours, right? See, and you get like me, and I'm like, I'll be 52 this month. How did that happen? I don't, I, and time goes by so fast. I remember my grandma, she used to say, oh, Lord, honey, you get old. I tell you, time goes by so fast. Not when you're eight years old waiting on Christmas. It's like it'll never get here. And now I'm 52, and the Christmases are just like this. 
because life is a vapor. Anybody blow their breath this morning? Honestly, I do not know where 52 years of living is gone. It, it's mind-boggling. And the older you get, and those of you in the room that's my age or older, you're nodding, you're, you're smiling, you're like, you're right. Moses understood this. I want to show you something that was written 3,000 years ago. And this is astounding. Moses wrote a psalm. Did you know that? Most of the psalms were written by David or a man named Asaph. But Moses wrote one psalm. You ready to see it? Here it is. Psalm 90. Watch this. Moses said, I read this a lot at funerals also, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Is that still true? 3,000 years later. Pretty much. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just like that. You know what else Moses said? Knowing all this, Watch what he said in verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Number our days. Use our time wisely. Or we'll be sucked into the vortex of the world system. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Last place I'll have you look this morning. Go back to all these letters are together. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They're all smashed together. Go to Galatians chapter 6. As you're turning there, I'll ask you again, how are you using your time? Are you wasting your time? It's so easy to waste time, isn't it? We're such an undisciplined people, always looking for the next fun thing. I'm not saying we can't have fun. I believe Jesus had fun, but I just believe that we spend a lot of time just trying to entertain ourselves, and we get bored. We get bored trying to find the next fun thing. How about reading the Bible? How about, how about sharing the gospel with somebody? How about doing something that's not for you? You say, Pastor Kevin, I got to work. I get it. You say, Pastor Kevin, I'm a student. I got to go to school. I get it. Hey, Pastor Kevin, I got to sleep some. I get it. So we all have just a short amount of disposable time we get each day. Maybe it's only a couple hours a day that you get. That's actually not the must-dos, but the I choose what I do. What do you do then? Is it all just fun, 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 fun? Am I saying that you got to sit around and just read the Bible all day and witness to everybody at Walmart? No, but can we do that some? Would that be part of the best use of the time if we're actually living for the kingdom of Christ? Okay, you made your way there. Galatians chapter 6. Watch what Paul told the churches in Galatia. Verse 7, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, this is how we spend our time, that will he also reap. Okay? So for the one who sows or spends his time toward the flesh, well, he's going to reap the flesh, and that's corruption. But the one who sows toward the Spirit, capital S, the things of God, well, he will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Verse 10, so then as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, as we have the coupons, right? Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. How are you spending your time? Dad, how are you spending your time with your wife? Do you spend any time with your wife? Do you use any of that best time for her? 
How, how, about, how about ma'am for your husband? How about mom and dad for your kids? Hey, how about kids? Hey, kids, are, are, you, are you using the time to honor your mom and dad? You know, the Bible says to honor your father and mother, for this is right in the Lord. Can I ask you an even sobering question as it relates to this church? Could some of your time be used as the best use of your time by actually doing something in the church you attend? I mean, do you volunteer here? Do you, do you hear all the things we put in this announcement video? Do, 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 you, or you, do you just come and sit and everybody else does the work? I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just saying there's so much to be done. Would you volunteer some of your time? Would you give? You know, it's been said there's two types of people in the world, givers and takers. Givers and takers. Which one are you? Do you give? Do, do, you, do you take? I want you to think about something. I, I thought about this a lot this week, and I thought about opportunity, and I thought about eternity, and I really think they're the same thing. And, and I want you to put your thinking caps on. We're going to put this on the screen. I think it will help you see this. I'm going to make a statement, and then we're going to look at it as an equation. You ready? Opportunity is in respect to time what time is in respect to eternity. That's what I believe. Opportunity is in respect to time what time is in respect to eternity. All right, so here's the way I can see this in my head. So, that being true, watch this equation. Opportunity equals time, Right? Opportunity equals time, and then we know time equals eternity. Time is part of eternity. Therefore, opportunity equals eternity. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Listen, each opportunity we have in life is an opportunity to literally affect eternity. In other words, what you and I choose to do with our time has the potential to affect eternity. Listen, the only piece of eternity you and I will ever hold in our hand is the opportunity of this next moment. That's it. Because you might die today, and your opportunity is now, this moment. How many decisions do we make in our lives, and you look back on, and you go, wow, I never thought that making that decision would turn out to this is where I'm at today. I think about David. You remember David? He was out tending his, his father's sheep, Jesse's sheep, out in Bethlehem. And his older brothers were all fighting against the Philistines, right? Jesse called David in from the, from the shepherd's field, and he said, Hey, son, there's some bread and cheese here. They've been out there fighting for weeks. Go take, these, go take this bread and this cheese to your brothers. Little did David know that in a matter of minutes or maybe a couple of hours, he'd be fighting Goliath, the giant. I mean, he, he's just been tending sheep and then he's got some bread and some cheese. And the next thing you know, he's down there in the valley with a sling and a stone. We never know. We got to be ready. We got to be ready to make the wise use of the time. Napoleon, you remember Napoleon? You studied about him, the great military conqueror of the world. He said, there is in the midst of every great battle a 10 to 15 minute period of time that is the crucial point. Take that period of time and you win the battle. Lose it and you'll be defeated. I think about all this basketball right now, you know, and all that's going on, let's say, in a basketball game. And you can point back to this so often. It, it was maybe a, 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 just a quick period of time that a team went on a 15-0 run. And, the, and, and maybe the team that, that's behind, they finally make it, they tie it back up, but they expend all their energy trying to get back up the hill, and they can never crest the hill, and, and they end up losing. And it's so true in life. 
Just making the, just, you just take your eye off the ball just for a few minutes. You get involved in some sort of lifestyle, some sort of stump, something that's wrong. Go off on the wrong path somewhere, and man, it can set you back for the rest of your life. Make the best use of the time. I like how James, the half-brother of Jesus, talked about time. In fact, we've been studying the book of James on Wednesday evenings. I hope you'll come. It's a great series. But here's what James said. James chapter 4, verse 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He said, you don't even know what tomorrow brings. He said, what is your life? I blew out my breath this morning. See, it's a mist, it's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. We read a few moments ago, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. I want to show, or verses 15 and 16 rather, I want to show you verse 17. I want to speak to you for just a second as we close today about the will of God. You see, if I were to come to you right where you sit and ask you this, look at me. If I were to ask you this question, do you know for sure you are living in the will of God right now? Do you know for sure that what you're doing right now with your life is the will of God? What would you say? Did you know 90% of Christians have no idea if they're living in the will of God? You ask them that question, they go, Pastor, honestly, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. And you know why? Because you don't think you can know. And because you haven't asked. Because you think you're not Moses or, or Esther or, 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 or David or Abraham. They were just men and women just like you. You're a child of God. You think God is playing hide and seek with His will? Do you think he's playing some game of, 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 of hot and cold? Oh, you're cold. Oh, you're a little warmer. You're a little warmer. It's not a game with God. He wants you to know his will. Watch this. Watch the screens. Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now verse 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There it is. You can know the will of God for your life. You say, how, Pastor? I, I, I don't know how. I'll tell you how. The Bible tells you how. See, the Bible tells us things. You want to know how you can know the will of God? There's three steps, and it's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You ready? You're going to, you're going to listen fast? You ready? Because you, you're running out of time. Because y'all ready to go eat, ain't you? Me too. Romans 12, verse 1. You ready? Watch this. This is how you can know the will of God. Step 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Let me ask you something. Look at my hands. How am I holding this Bible? Am I clutching it? Or could you come take it out of my hand? You could come take it out of my hand, because I'm not clutching it. That's how we're to live our lives. You want to know the will of God? You've got to hold your life up like that. You've got to hold your life up just like Abraham did Isaac. You've got to hold it up and you say, God, it's not my life. It's not about me. It's your life. You bought me at a price, and so it's your life. It's not mine. You want to know the will of God? Step one is, it's not about you. You offer your life up. You say, God, take it. Whatever you want to do with me, I'll do it. You got that? That's step one. Step two, look at verse two. Watch this. Do not be conformed to this world. That means you can't think like the world thinks because the world has a system of thinking that looks like success. It's, see, when Jesus died on the cross, that did not look like success to the world, did it? That looked like defeat. That was death. Oh, but Sunday's coming. Paul and Silas were in prison singing at midnight in that Philippian jail. And they could sing because they knew that they were serving God. And sometimes we go through suffering. That's what we were singing about. If this life were to bring suffering, God, you're so good. I'll still trust you. 
You want to know the will of God? Offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, and don't you think like the world thinks. And here's step three. Here's how you can know the will of God. Watch step three, middle part of verse two. And then be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern, you may know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we transform our minds, folks? What can transform the human mind? The Word of God. You want to know the will of God? You offer yourself up as a sacrifice. You don't think like the world, and you get into the Word of God, and it is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, and you will know where to step. You will know where to go. And it's a powerful thing when you're walking in the will of God. It's a powerful thing. Listen to me. When God called me to leave the business world, I had to know for sure because I was leaving a six-figure income. I could have destroyed my family. And I wanted so much to make sure that I'd heard from God. And so often we think, well, I can't hear from God. Listen, you can hear from God if you want to hear from God. When you start seeking Him, then you won't put sin ahead of Him. You won't seek to put anything in, in life ahead of Him. And when you go after Him, He will be found. Ask and it shall be given. Seeking you will find. Knocking the door will be opened. Some of you, for, for once in your life, go after Him with everything you've got. For, for, for somebody in this room, you've never once in your life pursued God with everything you had. It's, there's always holding a little bit back. Go after Him, and He will be found, and He will blow your mind when He shows you the things that He wants for your life. It may not always be good, but you'll know the will of God. And let me tell you something, when you're walking in the will of God, there's power in that, because you know you're doing what He's asked you to do. I close with this story. It was the Ides of March, my sophomore year at West Wilkes High School. You say, the Ides of March? What is that? Ha, if you've read Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, you know the Ides of March. Et tu, Brute? Julius Caesar was assassinated on March 15th. That is one week from today. On the Ides of March, March 15th, I was at West Wilkes High School. I was in the gym. I was in the lobby. That's the old gym. And I heard what sounded like a bomb went off outside. I looked through the glass of the gym, and I looked up the hill, the parking lot that goes up the hill at West Wilkes High School, and I saw where a small car had crossed the center line and been hit head-on by a Ford Bronco. And there was smoke everywhere. I took off, running as hard as I could run, thinking maybe I could help. And I get to the car. And I look in. The guy that was driving the Bronco, he was already out. He was standing. There was a couple of other students there. And what I saw, I will not describe to you. It's too graphic. He was dead. Oh, he was most definitely dead. He changed my life. You see, that young man in that car had just signed a Division I scholarship to play football for the University of North Carolina. And not only would he not play football, he would never take another breath. And I looked in that car for about two seconds until I, could, I, I looked away. But to this day, you, you think I'm making this up, I'm telling you the truth. Every time March rolls around, I think about March 15th of my sophomore year at West Wilkes High School and that young man because that moment changed my life because I realized that could be me. That could be you.
We don't know if we're going to live tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to get another day. So use the day for the best, for the best, and make certain you're doing what God has called you to do. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.